My name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here and excited to be with you today as we are in week two of our series on emotional intelligence, uh, on EQ. And so uh, we believe that this is really your ability not only to love God, but to love yourself and then in turn uh, be able to love others. And today uh, we're going to be talking about self Awareness. Now, uh, we all know people in our lives that are uh, not very aware, right? I mean, can we, can we be honest about that? Yeah? Or, uh, you know, something I like to do, I'm a people watcher. Does anybody like to go watch people, like just, you know, when you're flying or something? You might even be in church sitting in the back row watching everybody, right? But when you, you know, we go fly, I'll sit down, I'll find the perfect seat, and I'll just watch what everyone else does, you know, see how they interact with each other. And, and uh, you know, there's just so many times where people aren't really aware of what's going on in their surroundings. I have a few uh, that I think that are personally annoying, and I'm going to share them with you. I'm going to see if you feel the same way. Uh, I'm a movies guy, so I like to go to the movies. COVID has put a, a kind of a damper on that. Anybody here like to go movies, right? Yeah, poor COVID, or poor COVID, poor us, stupid COVID, right? But you go to the movies, and then there's that couple or those people that are talking during the entire movie, right? It's like, hey, there's an unspoken rule. You're not supposed to do that, you know, and you just stare at them like, what are you doing? Or uh, the other thing is, um, you know, on cell phones. Have you ever been in line at like Walmart or something, and someone's got their cell phone, and all they have to do is like pick up the phone and talk like this, but instead they put it on speakerphone, and they're talking like this, so everybody in the line is listening to what they're saying. Like, dude, are you, we're listening. We hear everything that you're saying. Weirdos, man. Just crazy. <laughs> Have you ever uh, been on a, you know, in a deep conversation with someone? You're sharing in a conversation. You're being honest. You're being open and transparent. You, got, you feel like you have this relationship with them that you're really wanting to share. And then all of a sudden they look at their phone and they start texting Right? And you're like, wait a minute, I'm talking to you, right? Like, listen to me. Every, every mom is nudging their teenager right now, right? Because this is what they do. Uh, anybody, anybody hate people who smack their gum when they chew their gum, right? You know what I'm talking about? My wife at home, we call her chompers because she is that girl. So, like, like she, she likes winter fresh gum. It's like the worst gum ever. It's, the, the flavor's gone in, like... Two minutes. Well, she chews it for three days, right? And all you hear is the, the, the teeth clacking. And it's like, chompers, be quiet. She's not here. I thought she'd be here. But she, she said I could share that. Uh, how about going to the bathroom with someone and then watching them leave without watching their hands? I mean, come on. That's just, not only are we COVID, but that's just plain disgusting, right? Be aware of your surroundings. And how about uh, Christmas, you Christmas lovers, you're in Walmart, right? You're in Walmart and you're pulling into that parking spot and you realize that someone took two spots. Like, is that for real? And you just want to take your key and go, but you won't because you're a Christian, right? You know what I'm talking about. Self-aware or people who lack self-awareness. Well, today I'm going to teach you not to be any of those people. No, just kidding. Because we're all those people. We have a tendency in our lives to be those kinds of people. And so today what I want to do is I want to share really kind of three, uh, three markers of a self-aware person. Uh, things that I think that uh, people who are self-aware, aware of their surroundings, who are emotionally healthy, emotionally intelligent, they have these practices in their life. Uh, now, you might be here thinking, well, okay, EQ, what is this all about? Like, why are we doing a sermon series on EQ? Do we find EQ in the Bible? Like, for some of you who've read the Bible, you don't see that word EQ. Uh, emotional intelligence, like, is this something that we see, that we, that we read about? And, and I believe everything that we do in our lives uh, is filtered through the Word of God. And so when it comes to relationships and emotions, how we view ourselves, how we value ourselves, the way we interact with other people, we need to have an understanding. 
standing with what God has to say about that in his word. And so we're doing that, we're, we're doing that, we're taking that approach in this series. We want to see what God has to say about emotional intelligence, about our emotions, our relationships, about who we are in our relationship with him and with others. Uh, just a quick recap, if you were here with us last week, uh, this is just kind of an overview of what we talked about. If you're not, you're jumping in, you're just fine. The first thing that we saw is that every single one of us are made in God's image. Humans are made in God's image. We're emotional, relational, and spiritual beings. In fact, God created that way, us that way. The problem is, is we're all broken though, and that is because of sin, because we have a sin nature. And so learning to be self-aware helps us to live in the new nature that we find in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible says that we were crea- humans were created and God saw that we were very good. Everything else that God created was good, but humans were special, God's greatest creation, and he saw that they were much good, that they were very good. And so right away we see a stamp of approval on our life that God created us to be relational, emotional, and spiritual in everything that we do. And this is really all captured in EQ. But because of sin, because we decided to go our own way, there's brokenness, there's a chasm between us and God, and that affects our Uh, Our interpersonality, our emotions, we're a sin-filled people. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God takes residence in us through the Holy Spirit. And so we need to know that when we accept Christ to be the author of our life, to be our Savior, that he is basically taking control of our lives. He's being inside of us through the Holy Spirit so that we need, so we need to live in a way that honors him, that honors God. You know, I think sadly what happens is for many of us, we kind of uh, have spirituality and religion and faith in one box and then in the other box, we kind of have like life. And so, you know, when it comes to, to, to spiritual faith and all of those things. I'm going to check off my boxes. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to a small group. I'm going to read my Bible and pray, and, and that's enough. But there's also this other part of us where it's kind of our life. You know, this is what we do, my job, my family, you know, my things that I like to do, and, and I'm just going to kind of take control of that area of my life. But you see, God wants all of us we talked about that, that last week. God wants every single part of us. He wants our emotions. He wants our relationships. He wants our spiritual relationship with him. You know, God doesn't want us just on Sunday. He wants us Monday through Saturday as well. God doesn't just want, you know, part of our relationships. He wants all of our relationships. God wants every single part of who we are. And he wants our lives to align up to his Standard. You know, sometimes I think we forget about this new nature that we have as followers of Christ. And so we say, man, I just have a tendency to go this way again. Or maybe it's an addiction or a bad relationship or a bad way of doing things. I'm just tugged to go that way. But the reality is, is that when we accept Jesus Christ into our life for the forgiveness of our sins, the chasm between us and God is now no longer. And God puts a new heart in us. He puts a new spirit in us, literally himself inside of us. We read about this in Ezekiel 36, verse 26. It says this, and I will give you a new new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. 
Now, isn't it so true that we can have a stubborn heart? <laughs> we can have a stony heart in our relationships. You know, we can have a, a, a stubborn heart when it comes to relationships with our spouse or, or, or our kids or people who like the Dallas Cowboys, right? We can have that negative feeling in those relationships because of sin, right? But God wants something different in us. He wants something different from us. In fact, he takes residence in us so that we can be the difference makers. He wants us to be emotionally intelligent. You know, I think this is where the new nature comes in. I have to realize that I have to watch the things that I say. I have to realize that the way that I communicate can point people to Jesus or push them away. And so with God living inside of me, I want to be the best, most healthy me that I can possibly be. And today we're going to talk about how to do that. Let's pray. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to receive what it is that you have for us today through your word. God, by the power of your spirit, would you penetrate our hearts and our minds and our thoughts, and would you make this alive in us? God, for all of us who have you know, insecurities or we have things in our life that we need for you to bring to the surface, God, to challenge or to expose so that we can lay them at your feet and say, God, you have all of me. God, would you do what you need to do? Would you convict as only you can convict? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, let's jump in. Three uh, kind of markers of a self-aware person. And, and what I want to do is kind of take a look under the hood, if you will, the engine of our lives. I want to see us to see, to take a, an assessment of how healthy we really are. Now, this is difficult to do. You know, when it, when it comes to telling everybody else their faults, that's pretty easy to do, Right? right? I can tell you what's wrong with you and why you aren't good enough or what you struggle with, but when it comes time to taking a look at myself, we put this wall up. Like, we don't, we don't want to, you know, rock the boat. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to be, have transparency. You know, I don't want people to see weaknesses in me. You know, maybe you came, uh, you grew up in a, a place where you felt like you had to be perfect all the time, so you couldn't say what you needed to say. You couldn't feel what you needed to feel. You know, maybe uh, a, a religious standard or maybe it was an interpersonal family standard that said you have to be this, 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 and you can't be any of these, and so you were afraid to be vulnerable. Well, God wants us to be vulnerable, and so my hope is today is that we can, every single one of us individually, look inside of our hearts and say, God, what is it that you need to do in me so that I can be most healthy in you? God, what do you need to do in me so that I can be self-aware? So with that in mind, let's, let's dig into the first point. The first point is this, is that self-aware people have the ability to, or the courage to articulate their strengths and their weaknesses or their faults and their strengths. And, there's an and to this, they're secure enough to take a compliment or a rebuke. Now, here, here's the truth. Every single one of us have strengths, great strengths. God created us with our own DNA, very, very purposely, and he's given you strengths. But because of sin, all of us have our weaknesses, so weaknesses in, in who we are, uh, weaknesses in the ways that we were raised, those affect those kinds of things. We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. 
You know, for some of us, those weaknesses come in the form of, uh, you know, pessimism. You're overly pessimistic. You tend to lean towards the negative. You're always trying to find out, okay, like, what's the negative thing that can happen here? Maybe some of you on the other far end. I'm a pessimist, so for those of you who are an optimist, I envy you. But you're always saying, oh, everything's perfect. I'm like, wait, what? The world's not perfect, right? And so you have this tendency to say everything's going to be okay. And at times, that can get you into trouble. You know, some, it, it could be anger, you have a, a, a quick fuse, <laughs> quick to anger. Maybe you have a lack of trust. I mean, all of these things. For me, I would say one of my biggest weaknesses is um, emotions. I'm very emotional. Emotional can be really good at times, but it can be also really bad. My wife would tell you I'm on an emotional roller coaster ride. <laughs> like I have really high highs, and then I have really low lows. And really the things that are, are most defined and are most visible are the lowest of lows. And what happens is when you're in those lows, everything comes across as negative. And so it affects relationships and uh, spousal relationships and relationships with kids. But here's the thing. Here's what, here's what I want you to know. I have learned over time that our weaknesses can become our biggest strengths. You know, people will tell us your weaknesses are, are what define you, and it's always negative, and, and these are the things that, that make you a bad person. But in reality, you see, God created us with that in mind, and he can use our weaknesses to be our biggest strength. I mean, I wish I would have known this like 20 years ago, right, with all of the emotional lows. But over time, God in his faithfulness has made it clear to me that I need to be aware of how I respond emotionally. Now, do I do that great all the time? No, absolutely not. But God loves me enough to challenge me when it comes time. You know, so for some of us, we can look at this and say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm mature enough that I can say, yep, I have my strengths and I have my weaknesses, and I'm gonna do everything I can to make those weaknesses strengths. I've got this. And if that's you in this room, you are amazing, and you're a better person than me, because I think the, the majority of us, myself included, is the opposite. When it comes to my weakness, I have a tendency to, to not be super aware of it, or if I'm aware, I kind of push it away, and I don't want it to expose itself, so I'm always trying to hide it, or I'm always trying to do things that, that are going to, you know, squirrel, you know, get away from being emotional, or whatever. Like, you, you know what I'm talking about. But you see, the Bible says very clearly that we need to, to be aware, that we need to purposefully investigate who we are on the inside. In fact, the Apostle Paul, uh, greatest spiritual advisor in all of the Bible, in the New Testament, I mean, he wrote most of the, the New Testament, he says this in Romans 12, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. You see, the Apostle Paul, not only is he saying this, but he's warning us. <laughs> and he's warning us because I think he understands who we are on the inside. We're broken people. And so we need to be aware of how that impacts the surroundings around us. My relationship with my family, my kids, my spouse, coworkers, all of those things. I need to be aware. I need to seek God's will for my life. And so I think there's really two ways that, that, that we can get to self-awareness. The first is to look internal, to take a deep look at ourselves like the Apostle Paul says. You know, a, a lot of Christians resist this because they don't want it to impact relationships, emotions, feelings. But that's not what God wants for us. You know, I think this is also hard for, for men. Men, you know, you, you talk to a guy and they're like, tell me how you're feeling. You're like, what? That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of, you know? Like, I'm not going to tell you how I'm feeling, right? Let's go play golf or something, you know, something fun. 
then we just not talk about things, right? Now, I'm not that guy. I'll tell you everything and golf. So if you want to share your emotions, let's do this, right? But then there's this, uh, the other people that are like, I just got to pull my bootstraps up. I don't want people to see the inside. I don't, I don't want people to see my weaknesses or my insecurities. That's a, a form of, uh, of weakness. I don't want them to see that. And you see, we hold on to that, and the enemy uses that against us, and he does whatever he can to manipulate our feelings. We have to be honest with ourselves. If we're not honest with ourselves, we'll never grow. We will never, ever grow. So the first is self. The second is to invite others to give us feedback. Have you ever wondered why the, like, the feedback interaction is like the most awkward interaction possible in humankind? You know, like, you don't want to tell people the truth because you're afraid of how it might hurt their feelings. So you're, like, telling people lies, basically, because you don't want to hurt their feelings, you loving, kind soul. And, I mean, that's normal. We don't want to hurt your feelings. We don't want to tell you where you're weak. But then, you know, think about on the other side. When people tell us what's wrong with us, what do we do? We get defensive, Right? We get angry. Like our first response is, well, you're not going to talk to me like that. You're not going to tell me what's wrong with me. Right? You know, uh, so I, in between a couple of, uh, a couple of times here at Alpine, I was the youth pastor for many years. And then I took a job at a church in Oklahoma, a place called Life Church. And, and one of the things that they did was they gave you feedback in everything that you did. <laughs> Like, I'd have a conversation with a, a coworker, and I'd get feedback on that conversation. The first time I taught on stage uh, to the youth group, I got this big, long feedback session. And it was like, every, literally everything, if I had a meeting with anybody, uh, a, a group of people, I got feedback on that. They gave me feedback. And I tell you what, for about two months, it was, I, I dreaded going to work. I was like, I don't want to have to go to work every, every day and have people tell me how terrible I am, Right? And I was like, I'm not, I, I didn't like that. I didn't want that feeling. But you know what? After about two to three months, I began to realize, like, these people care about me. Like, they want, they want me to advance in levels of leadership. They want me to move up into the, into the organization. And so what they're doing is, is they care enough about me and love me enough to tell me what I need to hear versus what I want to hear. Right? I need to have people in my life. If, if the only people that I had in my life were people telling me what I want to hear, I'm never going to get better. In fact, my weaknesses and my blind spots are only going to get bigger and bigger. But if I have people in my life that care about me and love me enough to tell me what I need to hear versus what I want to hear, the sky's the limit for me. You know, I remember early on, even when I was the youth pastor uh, at, at, here at Alpine, I had amazing leaders. We had, you know, tons and tons of leaders, and I would teach, and I'd say, hey, do you have any feedback for me? You know, is there anything I could have done better? No, it was great. It was awesome. You did so good. Like, well, just give me, like, one or two things that I can work on. No, it was so good. So good. And I'd go home, and I said, honey, what did you think about my sermon? She said it was terrible. <laughs> my wife, the one who loves me and cares about me. She's like, listen, you didn't prepare. You weren't connected to what you were talking about. It was audible or it was, it was visible. Like, I love you, but that stunk. <laughs> you see, she loves me enough and cares about me enough to tell me what I needed to hear versus what I wanted to hear. And because of that, I was challenged and, and I got better. You know, 
there was one exercise that we, we, were, we, we learned there at Life Church, and this was so hard for me, and, and it still is hard for me, but it's so valuable. Maybe this is something that you, you would use in your life, but um, the exercise was to find someone in your life, whether it's a, a family member or a parent or a friend or a mentor, someone really, really close to you, really, really close to you, and then you'd invite them to lunch or to coffee or whatever. And in this conversation, you would ask them the one thing that annoys them the most about you. And here's the thing, you can't defend yourself. You can't give information on why you're that way. You just have to receive what the other person is saying. It's one of the hardest things that you'll ever do. But the more that you do it, you begin to realize, if I'm annoying this person with this, I'm annoying everyone with this, right? If I'm allowing this person to speak the truth to my heart and to my life, this will not only just impact me, but it will impact relationships in my sphere of influence. And so maybe that's something that you do. It it's, was hard for me, still is hard for me, but it's been so valuable. You know, the Bible talks about this. The Bible says this in Proverbs 2.3, cry out for insight. Cry out, seek it, and ask for understanding. You see, we're to be proactive in what we do in our lives to initiate feedback, to initiate people to speak into our life. You know, when it comes to this, it takes a lot of courage but I believe if we can do this, we're going to be the healthiest us that we can be. And so God can do what he needs to do in his relationship with us, and it can reach others as well. You know, that leads us to our next point. How do we respond? You know, self-aware people are humble and teachable. When someone points out a weakness, they avoid sinful responses to sin and show a willingness to own their own faults. Again, what's our gut reaction when someone comes to something with us? Defensive. Wait, whoa. You know, I think some of us become, it's called conversational tennis experts. You know, you're going to tell me what's wrong with me? Well, I'm going to hit that ball back into your court. And listen, I've been, I've been putting the list of all the things that bug me about you. Are you ready for those? Right? And so you can say whatever you want to say about me. But here, I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with you. And oh, you say this? Well, you do the same thing. And here's why. You know, we don't just receive. You know, sometimes we need to have open communication, like, hey, I hear what you're saying, and I appreciate that, and I value that, but listen, I also need to, to share with you some things that, that I'm feeling. But you see, oftentimes we allow ourselves to get defensive, to shut down. In marriage, it can be, you know, the way we deal with conflict is we fight, and it's a big fight, and then we won't talk to each other for a few days. And it's like, man, I, I just want to talk to you, but I really want you to feel why I'm not talking to you. And then you realize, well, no one else is talking to me. Will you please talk to me, honey, right? And you make up. You know, or, you know, with kids, you drive a wedge into your relationship with kids and things blow up quickly because there's not this open forum of feelings and trust and emotion and feedback. You see, as followers of Jesus, that's exactly what the enemy wants for us. He wants us to stay in a place where we're not willing to receive. He wants us to be insecure. He wants us to, to fight back. He wants us to be defensive. And the reason why is because he knows that that's a place where relationships are destroyed, where our joy is sucked away from us, where, uh, where, where everything about us is, is just literally destroyed. You know, when we live in that insecurity or pride, we're saying, listen, Take, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to honor God. I'm not going to honor him with what I'm doing, and I'm not willing to grow. You know, I think, sadly, there's several ways that we can respond to sin in sin. Have you ever thought about that? In sin, when people communicate to you, brother or sister, or, you know, 
this is a, a blind spot in your life. We have a tendency to, to respond in a sinful way, and we've got a list of them. You can find this at PursueGod.org. Um, tons of resources on there for you to look at, but this is one of those things in the topic this week. And so there are so many things that we do. We minimize our sin. It's not that big of a deal, you know. We legitimize it. We, we rationalize it. We blame shift, right? It's everyone else's fault. It's not my own. We all do that. We're all nodding our heads, and we're going to talk more about why because we all do that. But then it's, you know, diversionary, tastic, partial confession, like all of these things that we do that blame sin instead of saying, okay, I, I got I to own some of these things in my life. This blame-shifting idea, one thing that we all struggle with, we see this early on in, in, in God's word. God creates everything, makes it perfect, says, so this is all for you. He says, please don't eat here. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what do we do as human beings? We always go our own way, and we sin, and we did it. And because of that, sin was exposed and brought fear, death, separation from God. And this is what we find. We find Adam and Eve interacting with God. And it says, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman. <laughs> it was the woman who gave, you, or who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And we've been blaming women ever since, haven't we guys? <laughs> right? This is the oldest trick in the book. This is blame shifting. This is saying, listen, yeah, she sinned. Well, wait, dude, you had to eat the apple too. Like, you didn't, you had to take the apple. You had to say, I'm going to do this. Ooh, it looks so good. I'm tempted. Mm, I'm going to bite it, right? And that's what happens. We make our own decisions. We choose to sin. We choose to go our own way. When there's God's standard in his word, God's glorious standard, and we do what we want to do over what God wants us or says to do, that's called sin, and we do it all the time. And no one is responsible but us. You see, oftentimes we just push that at people. And here's the thing. Adam lacked courage. Adam said, no, it's her fault. Instead of saying, listen, yep, you're right. I made a mistake. I sinned. It was me. Instead of taking ownership, I pointed it to someone else. You know, it's our natural default to immediately point the other way. But God wants us to look inside. God wants us to look on the inside. I shared this story uh, in, in the first service, and, and I, I'm emotional, so I cried. I'm going to do my best not to this time. But my son and I, Ashton, he's, uh, he's like me in a teenager's body. <laughs> like He is super emotional, and he's uh, very competitive, you know anything about me? I'm extremely competitive to a fault, and so he's he'll be 14 in December, and we've been doing this for 14 years, and, and we our natural tendency is to basically tell everybody or tell each other why we're wrong, and so basically what we're doing is we're telling the truth to each other, but we're blaming each other at the same time, right? And uh, this has kind of come to a head, and we were on our way to soccer training in Salt Lake City, and we're in the car together, and we're fighting. Yes, we fight with our kids too. <laughs> and we're fighting and, and, and we're yelling and it was not good. And it's who, you know, no one's going to back down. And I remember what he, he said something to me. He said, Dad, he said, I always feel like you only get on me. He said, I always feel like you're yelling at me. I always feel like you're downgrading and belittling me. And I was like, well, I always feel like you don't listen to what I say, you know, for the next five minutes. Like, if you would only do this, we wouldn't even be fighting here. See, it's all your fault, right? And so we're fighting in the car. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and it was so clear. And he said, Chris, he's right. And I said, no, he's not. And you're wrong too, God. Like, you want to go? You know, like, let's, let's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die on this hill. And he said, no, you're wrong. 
and he's right. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do? I'm the dad. Do I humble myself? Do I just let him go to practice, be miserable in practice, not say anything, and then when he gets in the car, say I'm sorry? I said, no. And I said, son, I'm sorry. I am sorry, and I thank you that you love your dad enough that you would be willing to speak the truth and love to me, to pull out a weakness in me and how I've been treating you. And that was it. It was like, whew. This weight lifted off, and I, I began to think back all the years, 14 years. Like, oh my gosh, 14 years it takes God teaching me an EQ series sermon that I'm ready to teach to people in the sanctuary to show me that he's using my son to make me better, you know? Like, what are we doing in our lives, in our relationships, that we're allowing people to speak to us to make us better? What are we allowing God to do in us to make us better? You know, I, I think of this verse in Proverbs 13, 18. It says, if you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. But if you accept correction, you will be honored. Whew. I want to be honored by God. I want to be God-honoring in my relationships. I want to be the kind of person that will receive what God is trying to tell me through the people that he's brought me close to. I hope you're the same. Wherever you're at in your relationship, you can start. And this, this really leads us to our last point. We'll close with this. None of this is possible without Jesus Christ. None of it. Our sin separates us from a holy God. None, none of this is possible. We can't be healthy emotionally. We can't be healthy relationally. We can't be any of this unless we put our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, because of sin, it separated us from God. And, and nothing that we can do or nothing that we could say is ever good enough for God. The only thing that we can do is accept the sacrifice that he gave us, that he freely gave us. When he stepped down from heaven to earth in the form of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, and he went to the cross and he died for you and for me. And when he did that, when he died, he took on the brokenness that you and I have. And he said, because of this, you can be made new. And so what God says is, none of this is possible without a relationship with me. And that's our last point. Self-awareness, self-aware people have an authentic relationship, a prayer life with God. They go to God, and their transparency with him leads to transparency with others. Listen, if I can't be open and honest with the God of heaven and earth who knows everything about me, how am I going to be honest to my wife and to my kids and to my spouse and to my boss? <laughs> You're not going to be able to. David, King David, you guys know the story of King David. David was, the Bible says, a man after God's heart, but he was a sinner, like all of us. And he had some major sins. He was an adulterer, he was a murderer, but God forgave him. And listen, David didn't overnight just all of a sudden have this amazing relationship with God. No, he developed in time this authentic, transparent relationship with God. And listen to how he prays. Listen to this. He says, search me, O God. And know my heart. Only you, God, the one who knows all things, knows me better than me. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Would you point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life? You see, the reason why he's experiencing everlasting life is because he's authentic to the living God. And God is transforming him so that he is made new in relationship with him. God, seek me, search me, point out the things in my life that you need to do in me, God. 
God, bring to the surface the things that are separating me from you, the blind spots, the things that I'm struggling with. God, do what you can only do. And would you bring that to my attention? And God, would I say, I'm sorry. And would I live in your grace? And would that grace not give me the freedom to continue to live a life of sin and whatever I want to do, but God, would it change me? And would my new heart not be stubborn and stony anymore? Would my new heart align with your direction for my life? God, do what you need to do. Wherever you're at in your journey today, God wants you to take the next step. Maybe you need to start a relationship with God. Maybe your heart is broken and you're seeking for something to fill the void in your heart. The Bible says that Jesus is waiting for you. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, Revelations 3, 20. He is waiting for you to start a relationship with him. And when you do, he will give you a new heart, a new identity, a new way of living. Maybe you're here today and you need someone, a mentor, that can lovingly tell you where you've fallen, where your gaps are. Maybe you need to work on a relationship, a marriage, a friendship, and say, I I want you to speak into my life, and I haven't allowed you to do that. I'm sorry. Maybe you have some things to confess about yourself. You say, God, I want to lay these at your feet. If I say that you're the author of my life, God, I'm going to give you everything today. Wherever you're at, would you take the next step? He's waiting.